This special edition upload of the Game Sports Show brought to you by Compass Imaging and Signage as well as Demansky Office Interiors. Compass Imaging and Signage is a large format print shop, posters, banners, vehicle graphics, advertising, trade show displays, decals, wayfindings, signs of all kinds, graphic design, fine art reproduction, and custom work. You can check them out at www.compassimaging.com. Demansky Office Interiors is a well-recognized, full-service office furniture dealer and design company in Sault Ste. Marie and Algoma area for over 40 years. DOI represents leading manufacturers such as Herman Miller, Nightingale, 3H Manufacturing, Group LaCase, and Focal Upright Seating, with much more. Now, here's the best part of it all. Both fantastic businesses are located in one spot. 500 Industrial Park Crescent Unit 1 in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Make sure to stop by today and don't forget to check them out on social media as well, Facebook or Instagram. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media Gem for short, along with the Game Sports Show you're currently listening to the game through one of the many media platforms spotify podcasts apple podcasts podbean facebook and or instagram facebook and instagram being at the game sports show where you can find all uploads of the game now getting to the special edition co-host a man who is literally full of piss and vinegar again using that line he is a tough guy sort of if you kind of count underrated tough guy, pure legend for his trademark clap bombs from the top of the circle. Like how many times these clap bombs on the top of the circle, he did them when he was playing. He still does them in men's league. Literally click, click, boom. It's the way I like to call it. Brendan Brooks, Brooksy. How's it going? Going good. Good to be back doing this again. Now getting to our guest and the main reason why you clicked this link, most likely not because you desire to hear myself and Brooksy's voices as much as we try to seduce you with our great voices. You clicked this because of this man, this legend in my eyes, former professional hockey player in particular known for his days in the NHL, the Edmonton Oilers, Florida Panthers and the Pittsburgh Penguins, and also known for literally putting his fist to superior use. From Brock, Saskatchewan, coming in at 6'5", 250 pounds, Steve McIntyre. Steve, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, I hope you like that intro. I hope you approve with that. Yeah, that was was impressive. You're ready to go back one yet now. Do I go back and play? You ready to go back and play for sure? Yeah, Brooksy, you can ride. I'll ride shotgun on your line, bud. Let's do it. <laughs> now, people can watch your fights on YouTube. Into that right now, where you know what I watched a lot the last couple of days, more so than before, which are we'll get into more throughout the show. You also have social media. You have Twitter, etc. What is your handle? How can someone follow you? Give some uh, insight on how someone can follow the one only Steve McIntyre. Oh, gosh. Now I got to go back and look because I forgot what it was. <laughs> Smacker33. Yeah, that's right. Smacker33. <laughs> that's Instagram. And uh, I'm getting blown up on Twitter because I made a couple comments that I think were taken out of context. But that's all right. Whatever. You know, hey. I love it. Stirring the pot. Yeah. At Smacker33. There you go. That's a good, obviously on Twitter, you you got a great following. I just ended up following you today, to be honest. I'm not going to flat circuit I've been following you forever. But you know what? It's overall social media is such a, a an intense platform and everything that's going on, obviously, social media, up any, if you will, a little bit. But we're not going to jump into all that fun stuff. Brooks, yeah, got the first topic to jump into, which kind of transitions nicely because social media, obviously, 
has was big and started getting bigger in the early thousands, got bigger in the tens. And obviously Steve was playing in the, obviously playing throughout those times, but obviously in the tens, the Oilers, etc., going with Florida and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I know you're going to focus on something else first before we jump into his playing days. Yeah, I definitely uh, just want to talk about what he's doing now. I know you're at the fire hall, so he's a fireman. And uh, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, through the PHPA, you know, how you got, uh, into becoming a fireman and uh, just about that program and how great it is for, you know, ex-athletes and ex-professional athletes, that is, for the PHPA. And what a great organization. Like I said, I was, I know you were part of the organization, like as far as uh, a rep, and I was part of as a rep. We always had good communication with uh, with Larry and the guys down there. Um, it was such a great uh, opportunity for me. Um, you know, I, I'm down here and, 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 uh, you know, being being brought up back home in Saskatchewan, you know, I was kind of wanting to go back and, and take over the farm, but that wasn't able, that wasn't, didn't really pan out. But that not that being said, you know, my dad and I sat down and I kind of taught, asked him a few things, what I should do and careers. And one of them was uh, to be a firefighter and the other was, was to be an RCMP officer. And uh, believe it or not, I feel like I made the best decision as far as the transition uh, I work with a bunch of peckerheads that, uh, you know, it's kind of like being in the, in the room, uh, you know, amongst <laughs> the guys, but, uh, you know, as you guys, well, I know Brooks, you were on the phone coaching me through this whole, how to, how to get on Skype thing or whatever this is. And, and you were hearing us chirping back and forth. So, I mean, you kind of get the, it's the same, it's the same feel. Um, you know, the, the PA, uh, they enabled us to, they kind of put it in the works as far as the career enhancement program, as far as the fire. Uh, I think I want to say I was the first or second group to go through FESTI out of Toronto. Uh, greater, uh, was it Greater Inter- Lester Pearson International Airport uh, there in Toronto? And, and what a great experience that was. And I highly recommend for guys that are kind of making that decision at the end of their career, or, you know, not really sure what to do, give it a look. You know, contact the guys down at uh, the the union office, and and really, you know, uh, if they if they pass my name around, I'll I'll talk to them. I mean, it's it's a great job. I love it. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things about it. I can't say enough good things about it. See now, yeah, it's amazing to see what Larry has done. Uh, you know, with this program and uh, how much passion he has. You know, for all the all the players. You know, especially him being a an ex uh player himself and uh you know he's done so much for the guys and i you know i'm so grateful to know him very well uh, as you do and uh, i'm just really uh thrilled that the program's thriving right now you know it's it it is and like i said when you're playing you don't really realize what he you know they're really doing but i think after you're finished you really kind of i mean as you all know you're a commodity and once once you're done you're done they throw, you know, the team's throw you by the wayside and they'll get a new one. You get a younger guy. And, and I think that's where the union really kind of comes in and, and, you know, hey, we're going to help you out uh, more so than, than other unions, I believe. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, if I ever have a problem, if I have a question, I call down there and, and uh, you know, they're, they're quick to answer. And, and they're such nice, good people down there, too. So. 
See, and obviously being a fireman is rewarding. I'm lucky enough to have a few friends that are actually here in Sault Ste. Marie, which is obviously locations are different for when you're doing it, but it's definitely a rewarding job, right? But overall, you must be very proud of what you've accomplished even after playing because when it comes to playing hockey, you you, you had a, a you had a career that was tough, you know, a long, grueling career, and then after you're done playing professional hockey, you go and you want to do something after, and you're doing a job that's just not only rewarding but it's also essentially giving back right or is that is that or would you disagree with that point no i mean it, it absolutely is it's it's like i mean i'm a big physical guy i've always been that way uh right from the time i can remember i always liked doing physical things and you know whether it was working with my dad or you know just <laughs> even my fun for you know for for my hobbies i'm always doing something physical and and that's that's part of who i am that's my that's my dna and um, you know, to be able to give back to the community, we were, we were such a part of the community when we were with the teams doing different promotional events and, and being part of the community. Uh, you know, it was just kind of a, a transition that was easy to make. I, I, I was able to make it and, and, and able to communicate and talk with people. And, and, you know, I felt like, uh, I was one of those guys that heck I can have a conversation with a tree or, you know, it doesn't matter who you were. I could sit there and talk and, and we could find something in common. So, yeah, uh, you know. It's rewarding. They obviously, Brooksy, you took you're back here in Tuesday Marine. I like to say that you're obviously a big contributor here with the show and every player. The people wonder, what are you going to do after hockey? Look at uh, some players that went back to kind of joining the league and things like George Perils. Look what he's doing right now. Someone that I know you're familiar with, Steve, that we'll get, get into it a little bit. But it's yeah. it's it's good to see what people can do to give back and it's also a common theme like i'll say it like a lot of athletes go that route of giving back to the community of being either a fireman a police officer or a rcmp officer of the canadian or working kind of doing some of that work kind of that public service work which is obviously a good use because it keeps your athleticism up it keep it just it's just a rewarding job throughout like i said i i love it um you know we're, we're always doing and i mean the, the good thing about it is like you know, really a bunch of, a bunch of uh, men acting like a bunch of little kids with, you know, with squirt guns driving big trucks, you know, with red blinky lights on them, making a lot of racket. So, I mean, you know, and everybody loves a fireman. Like, I mean, everybody loves a fireman. So it's, it's, it's a good edition yet? Did you get a calendar edition yet? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm still working on it. Uh, you know, the deal's in the works. You know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, it gets signed. I like that. It's hilarious. Now, uh, we'll we'll transition from the now into kind of backtrack a little bit to your playing days. You and we'll start with the WHL and kind of work your way up. I know we'll kind of free flow from there. And you played with the Saskatoon Blades, where you were also with the Red Deer Devil, uh, Rebels. Whoa, whoa, Sorry. whoa! I got to hold on a second. Yeah. What did you just say? Saskatoon. Did you just, did you just, oh my God! You say Saskatoon. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did say yeah, yeah, I'm calling a spade a spade. I'm not even editing that out. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot believe it. The guys oh. down here give me a hard time. <laughs> oh, that like, is Oh, funny. you're from Saskatoon, Saskatoon eh? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's the front door, guys. But, <laughs> he played there with Red Deer, Prince Albert, Medicine Hat, and... Playing in those experiences, those teams, you had Scott Hardnell, Colby Armstrong, Joffrey Lupo, and Joffrey Lupo, Leaf fans love that name. Nah, jokes aside. Uh, Jay Bomeister, Garnet Exelby, Darcy Hordachuk, just name a couple guys you play with. Just your overall experience in the WHL. And was it difficult to say the name back then? Or? 
<laughs> it was uh, it was still kind of the wild west. Uh, <laughs> we had man, we had some tough teams. Like it was just it it was right after Scott Parker left, and he was kind of the, the well, he was the sheriff back then. But I mean, it was just tough. I mean, the travel was tough. The the teams were tough. The rinks we played in were tough. The winter was tough. I mean, it was it was it was back when fun when hockey was fun and and you kind of learned what the teams were made of and you know unfortunately I was part of a couple of teams that you know we really weren't that geared but I think we were exciting to watch anyway but uh, but anyway it was uh, it was an experience I remember uh, like I said was it uh, I forget it was 24 hours or something like that from Seattle Washington to Saskatoon Saskatchewan and me and Brent Henley. We were the rookies on the team. We had to sit beside each other all the way home. Double up, rookies. <laughs> Double. <laughs> oh yeah. Two two pretty small guys there. Yeah. Well, you know, very six foot seven. I'm six five. You know. You know. <laughs> yeah. It was miserable. Nice for nap time when the movies were on. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Like, and the West and Brooksy, uh, with get your opinion on this too. The, the WHL was obviously known as a tougher league, and even nowadays, it's changed. Obviously, okay, but it's all it's still, believe it or not, from what I gather from experts around the area, they still consider out of the three leagues between the O, the Q, and the W that they consider it more of the tougher league out of the three. And a lot of like WHL players, those type of players, if you can play that both hard-nosed type talent and still put pucks in the net, those are the players that they desire. And I think the WHL has also just been just as exciting, if not more, than the OHL and the Q at times, right? And just going to the rink, and you know you're going to get boys that are just going to put their heart on the line, block shots, drop the mitts in your case, Steve, and just literally provide entertainment from puck drop until buzzer sounds. It. Uh, <laughs> Like I said, I, I, I never had the pleasure of, or, or knowledge of, of those other leagues, but, uh, you know, it was it was tough. It was Western. They didn't call it the Western Hockey League for now. Brooks, <laughs> <laughs> do you think you would have survived in the W then or what? Uh, oh, yeah, I probably would have loved it. I would have loved it. You know, for a little guy, like, I like getting my nose dirty and, uh, you know, As I love I chirping the big guys. I love chirping the big guys. Yeah, we couldn't catch you. <laughs> Thank well, God. Yeah. <laughs> But then I, I, get so, I get so pissed off. He'd be chirping me. I was in a ski and he'd be chirping me. And I'm like, I just, I'm sitting there making sawdust out of my stick. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, I'm getting fired up just talking about it right now. <laughs> I know Brooksy upset a couple guys, Brooksy. You obviously oh, got yeah. this under uh, his skin. I'm got so glad he didn't trapped, catch please. me. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't catch me. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, good yeah. But that's the oh, beauty of hockey. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, we chirp on the ice and, uh, you know, we can have a beer, shake a hand after the end of the game. And uh, that's the beauty. And I and I and that's what I love about hockey and uh, actually, actually the hockey mentality of, of, of the individual players. For the most part, you can get along after and uh, you can put a put behind you what's gone on in the ice. And I think that is a great thing and uh it's special it's very special it's something that you know the other sports i don't sorry about that guy rode by on his really cool lawnmower (laughs) is that brooksy going by on skates holy christ (laughs) (laughs) somebody went by on their lawnmower Uh, (laughs) see and with the with
with the W, you play there, then you jump in afterwards, and it's you transition after you end up playing in various professional leagues. And Brooksy, I want to actually go to you first because I know there's some uh, leagues and teams that you're familiar with here after Steve was done in the the Wild Wild West, if you will. Well, yeah. Well, his first year was in uh, Muskegon Fury. I think you guys actually beat my team, the Quad City Mallards, in the finals, if I remember correctly, or. Uh... I can't remember exactly. Maybe I not want, that year. You know what? No, what? They didn't that year. I think we beat you out that year. <laughs> I, I think you guys did. I think it was the year before we beat you guys. And then yeah. uh, and then we went on to win against Elmira at yeah, home. That's, yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, exactly year, what happened. And then the year after, I want to say you guys beat us. Because that was my yeah, second year in Muskegon. Yeah, so uh, what was it like for your first year playing in Muskegon? Uh, you know, I also want to talk about, because you also played in Quad City, you know, it was pretty amazing, you know, the support that was in the United Hockey League back then. It was such an underrated league, and there was a lot of talent there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys would get called up to the American Hockey League, sometimes refuse it, because they had such a nice setup there, and it was, it was great for them to be a part of and just stay, because they were making good money, they were comfortable, and treated so well. I mean, absolutely. Like I said, when I played in Muskegon, I mean, it was it was top notch. They they treated us so well. Uh, both both my first year or half a year there, I got uh, suspended out of the one league for life, and I ended up going to uh, it was either uh, it was either uh, oh shoot um, Toledo uh, playing for them or, or going to uh, Muskegon. And I think Muskegon was like I want to say Quad City and Muskegon were like one two in the league and. And uh, my coach was like, man, if it was me, I'd go to Muskegon. So I went to Muskegon and ended up skating with the guys that morning. And, and uh, uh, I mean, what an experience. I get out there on my first pro shift, first pro game, pick on Mark Durant. You remember Mark Durant, big guy from uh, I do. Port Huron? Uh, yeah, I played, oh with, yep, I, played with, uh, I played with him in North Bay in the OHL. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's huge. And. My my old coach was like, I just picked the biggest guy out there and have at it. And I was like, okay. Well, I found out quick, fast, and in a hurry that uh, going from junior hockey fighting to pro, uh, it's a little different. <laughs> Some guys are a bit bigger and tougher or what? A little bigger. They hit a little harder. And, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I was doing my thing. I went in there. I was throwing rights. And then I switched up and bango. He caught me. And I'm like, I'm sure I looked like a redwood oak tree falling in the forest, but I got back up. I think we ended up fighting two or three more times, and, you know, he's tough, and I ended up getting him. We were in training camp. He was in Lowell, and I was in Hartford, and I got him back. So <laughs> That's you revenge. You it's fight always both nice hands to have then. revenge. Pardon me? So you fight both hands then? I can, yeah. I've I've been accused of that. That was my that was my kind of my ace in the hole, I guess. I kind of noticed it in some YouTube videos. Not gonna lie, I know you took yeah. a couple good ones to Andre DeVoe. You know, a couple. I know that, <laughs> that video. <laughs> I don't think he knew where he was after that fight. That was uh, you. You kind of exchanged using a couple hands there, but then you obviously had some fights where you were just throwing rights, and those and those right-handed fights are big with Derek Bugard. Yeah. Right. It's like, like uh, I'll jump into that right now. Well, I know we got to kind of, we're going to backtrack a little bit from your first, how you felt when you got called up and everything, but just the overall fighting experience, the view of the fighter, like you're fighting guys 
that are like if I like when I played NHL 10 back in those days, I would make a team like that for fun and literally fighting everybody. <laughs> you know, yourself, you got Trevor Gillies, you got guys like Derek Bugard, who these guys are just absolute trucks, right? And with your fighting, you have you fought Donald. Yeah. For- Andre DeVoe, you KO'd him. Radis Evans, I hopefully I didn't butcher that last name. Multiple times you KO'd him. Derek Bugard, Colt Noor, Peros, David Cucci. Oh, like you're fighting these guys, and do you have a strategy for each one, or do you just have that one thing per fight where you're going, hey, uh, I'm just gonna go with it here and just see how it goes. Uh, you know, so I never really necessarily had a style. Um, you know, I I, I just. I hated grappling. Like it was like watching paint dry. It's like all these guys that, you know, that was, if I'm, if I'm trying to get my team up and, you know, if, if it's a, if it's kind of a lull in a game or, you know, it's just kind of boring. I mean, I always loved watching the guys like Rooksy fight. Cause I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen, but there was a lot of fur flying and there was a lot of fist flying. I mean, they could have been missing 90% of their, but I mean, it looked, you know, pretty dang good. Cause I mean, there were some, you didn't know it was like watching, you know, the featherweights fight. It, it's just like they were so it was so fast. And I mean, that's kind of the way, uh, you know, if you wanted to tie my arm up. All right. Well, I'm going to fight left handed. Or if you want to tie my left hand up, I'm going to fight right handed. And the guys that, you know, that could figure that out with me, like George Peros was really, really good at it. He was a good grappler. And I hated fighting him because he had big, long arms and he was strong. And he had he really strong and he had good stamina. And I really couldn't do anything with him. I think we fought like two or three times and I couldn't beat him. And it was, he was the most frustrating guy to fight. Cause he was, he was just about as, you know, he was just as strong as I was and he was a good fighter. And I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I get guys doing different things and I could catch them. And I mean, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily the smartest fighter. I just, you know, just pure under just downright, I'm going to fight you and I don't want, I want to make sure that, uh, I might not win this fight, but by God, you'll sure know you've been in one type mentality. And, and then toward the end of my career, I know this sounds terrible, but you know, I, I, I got a little bit ornery and maybe a little bit meaner and I kind of had a little different mentality. It was like, I'm going to make sure that you don't ever want to fight me again. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's because as you get older, you don't want to fight as much because so you hurt like, more. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you're right. I'm going to make this one fight so much better than the last. And we're yeah. going to go with it. It's just like a Toby <laughs> Keith song. I'm good as one, I'm good once as I ever was. I'm good once as yeah. I ever Something like that. Yeah. See, you fought Derek Bugard twice in one game, if I'm correct. I think that was in 2010 or 11 in New York. I think you fought him twice yeah. in one him so like you fought him the one time what was like and you can see from the video there was a teammate of yours and i can't remember top of my head who it was but he was it was was at the circle and you over tapped him and said not move (laughs) and he went beside Derek and said okay it sounds like you said left but what was did you jump in and do that second fight because of what was going on in altercation with your teammate or did you know that hey i want another match against him this game because i didn't like how the first one went even though the first one was pretty entertaining despite they did have a little bit of grappling in there it's just kind of with you and bugard sharing exchanges you know they it's always an exciting fight between the two of you because if there's somebody he's a big man Derek Bugard. Yeah. that's putting it right he was a big he's guy huge. you're up boy and you know what 
what was going through your mind? Like, okay, I know I'm fighting him that second time, or that just happened spur of the moment? Well, uh, the first time, Derek's a big dude. I mean, he made me look small. And, uh, you know, I didn't do as well as I wanted to in the first fight. I was kind of waiting. You know, yeah, I was getting lit up. But, I mean, they weren't really hurting. And, you know, the lines are – so the thing about – I had a little bit of a strategy with, with, with uh, Derek. And, uh, you know, I respected him as a fighter, no question. Obviously, you know, he's big, strong, and, and he was dangerous. But I felt, you know, I had a game plan going into it, and I figured, all right, if I can survive the onslaught and if he can, you know, beat his hands up on my head, you know, <laughs> the top of it, and I could survive that, I'd be okay. And, you know, that was kind of my mentality, and that was kind of my thoughts. And usually it took me about three or four before I got mad anyway, and, which wasn't really the smartest approach to it. But See, uh, it- and when you when you're on the bench, you must you're obviously being that role player that you were. It's like you're sitting on the bench, and then you know when you're against Bougard or if you're going against Colton or Peros, you got to know in that game before the game that you're fighting that guy in that game most likely. Or is that an overstatement too? Like because typically if that guy's going on the ice, most likely you're going on the ice too, right? Or and then you guys are you start chirping, or there might be a heat of the moment down low in the corner. Or he's pushing a teammate, or vice versa, whatever it may be. So when you're talking to your coach, does the coach tell you before the game? Oh well, we're playing George Peros and a guy that I know we're going to talk about a little bit more, Craig uh, Craig McTavish. I think yourself and Brooksy have him in common in terms of being a coach. Uh, you know, does he go? All right, Steve. You know, we're playing against George Peros, and I am expecting at least one Tilly against him tonight, or. You know what, Steve? I wish you wouldn't drop the gloves tonight. I wish maybe you'd you know just go down there, get a mad cause a penalty, and then you know maybe grind out a goal or like how does that work on the bench when those guys are going on the ice and just before the game when you're going against those guys? You know, it's it's kind of a little of this, a little that, kind of you, you get a feel for the game, and that's the one thing that, uh, you know, I, at the end of my career, I ended up coaching a little bit out in Salt Lake City for the Utah Grizzlies. I was just kind of helping out assistant coaching. And, you know, Brooks, I'm sure you probably attested this too. It's like you start, you know, I was so worried, like I was so consumed with the game at hand per se that I didn't really see the game within the game. And, you know, toward actually toward my end of my career, I started understanding the game in the game. And, uh, you know, for people that have played, a high level or, you know, or, or good at what they were do were good at, which, you know, Brooks, was good at what he did. Uh, you know, there, there's a game within the game and, you know, not, not any really particular one coach ever sent me out to fight. Like that was kind of the, you know, I, 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 I knew kind of when to go a lot of coaches, you know, uh, maybe, uh, well, you know, started in the first period and, you know, I, I was never ever a guy that was would go looking for it per se. I was always I've been accused of being a reactionary uh, fighter or enforcer, or whatever. But you know, I go out there and I play hard, and you know, I try to hit, and I try to you know play the game the right way. And you know, if a fight happened, great. If it didn't, you know, if we were we were flat, you know, in the first period and come out the second period, lay a big hit, do whatever. I mean, I kind of knew that was my style. That was the way I should play. I mean, toward the end of my career, I I developed a reputation where not a lot of guys wanted to fight me 
because I had that mentality that I wanted to make sure that, you know, you didn't ever want to fight me after. And, and so I kind of had the, it was hard. It was, it was hard adjusting because, you know, obviously I had a limited number of tools in my toolbox. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was an adjustment and, you know, a lot of people accused me of not being a, a very proactive uh, enforcer. And, you know, I, I pride myself in that because I, I felt like I played the game the right way, the way the game, I played it hard. Uh, you know, I wasn't there too dirty. I'm probably dirtier now cause I'm fat and slow out of shape uh so i whack a few guys like i'm playing a little bit now i whack a few guys you know across the ankles slow them down you know i i try to if you ain't cheating you ain't trying exactly <laughs> so i mean if i could hook a little bit heck yeah if i could slash them slow them down if i could get a little bit more you know room in the corner with some little punk my gosh you gonna do it so you know my dad gave me a lecture the other day he's like you can't play like that anymore i said um Hey, Dad, last time I checked, uh, they're giving me a little bit more, you know, wider berth here. So I'm going with it. It's just as you mature as a player and and as a as a role player, you start to kind of figure things out a little bit. And I mean, I might have figured them out a little too late. I don't know. But I'd like to say, you know, I never had too, too many suspensions i mean i had a couple little incidents where you know you have to make them think you're half crazy but yep. <laughs> you know worked in my favor so <laughs> yeah. nice. but uh but yeah and you jump well, in wanna... yeah brooks yeah sorry i know you're uh, well, no, i was just gonna say because like, i want to you know go kind of go back a bit uh here back to 2008 you know you get that uh you know probably get a call from your agent i don't know how it happened i just want to curious how you got the call to go to edmonton you know, for your first NHL contract, you know, you worked your bag off, you started in the U-Haul and just worked your way up, made a name for yourself. So I'm just curious, you know, what, what your feeling was and how this all happened for you. Well, um, it was actually funny. Uh, so, so I kind of even go back farther than this. So I was actually, um, I was playing, that was the, the year I played in, uh, Quad City. I got. I ended up quitting five games in the season. I said, "Hell with it. I'm. I'm done." You know, I think I was in a couple fights, and you know, I really wasn't. My mind, my my head really wasn't in the game. I was away from my family. You know, I just had a a, a little boy, and he was born in April, and and I was away from. Him. I was really, really homesick, and I said, "You know what? The hell with it. I'm not doing this. This is dumb." I went from Charlotte to to uh, Quad City, and. Uh, um, you know, I just, I, I was just miserable. And, uh, so I went back home and, uh, my dad, he, he and my mom are, are, and my brother and sister, they're big parts of the success that I've had. You know, they sacrificed a lot for me to be able to give me the opportunity to do what I did and very grateful for that. But my dad sat me down and, you know, we had a long conversation about the future and, you know, kind of where I wanted to be. And, you know, I told him, I said, I want to take over the ranch and, and, uh, you know, at that time, you know, that just wasn't feasible. So he said, you know, if you quit now, you'll, you know, in 10 years, five years, whatever, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know, should I try it? Should I just kept on? So anyway, that kind of was reiterated to another successful farmer that was an area that I, I was really good friends with his son. And even to this day, we'll, 
they were kind of good friends of the family. So I got talking to him and he kind of said the same thing. So it kind of encouraged me to go back and, you know, just give her, give her the last go. So I ended up going back to Muskegon. Well, uh, Providence had called me. I was playing pretty good and, and I was, you know, I was getting in a couple scraps and I was playing pretty good and they called me up and, and I told them, I said, no, sir. I said, uh, I'm not, a, I can't come up. I, I said, I'm not going to, I, like I said, I refused to, I didn't want to go up. Uh, uh, you know, I told him, I said, I, I left my team earlier in the season. I said, we were just going into playoffs. I said, I'm not going to do it again. So I said, if you guys were really interested in me, I said, you know, we'll talk this summer. So summer or spring playoffs go by. Uh, summer goes by. It's kind of getting, you know, I think it's about two weeks before training camp type thing. And, and uh, uh, Providence calls me up. It says, uh, you know, would you like to try out come try out you know we've got a skills coach we've got a fight coach you know we want you to come try out so i skated i ended up skating you know a month before training camp and i mean i flat out told him i said you know i was retired i was you know 280 pounds or whatever and you know i I was no shape to be playing hockey but i said i told him i said this is where i'm at and he said well you know what just come on so i went up there and i had you know the best most memorable hockey season we should have won uh, you know, it was a what it what it could have should have didn't. Long story short, um, but we had one of the tightest group of guys that I've ever played with in my whole entire career, and I mean, I pretty much name all of them. Uh, you, you know, it, it was one of the best teams I ever played on, and uh, it was part of that. We had a successful year uh, up until playoffs, and that was another story, kind of a sore spot. And then that summer, uh, I got signed by Florida. Uh, he was uh, the, the Panthers. Uh, Mr. V, my skating and skills coach, was really good, kind of a go-between between Florida, the head scout in Florida, and and Providence, and so he was kind of the go-in-between guy. And and they ended up signing me. I went to training camp. Uh, I ended up playing my first exhibition game actually in Edmonton uh, with Florida, and then. I played, I think, in Calgary. Uh, I think that was it. And then we played Dallas and Montreal. And then they put us on a bus. The guys, they waved us. They put us on a bus. And then we were headed to Ro- uh, Rochester. Well, I got to Rochester. And I stayed in Rochester for about two days. Jack Birch, I want to say the he was one of the scouts for Florida, calls me into the office. And he calls me off. Or he calls me mid-practice. He calls me into the office and says, hey, Macker uh Edmonton just picked you up and of course I'm like oh like what do you mean like yeah Edmonton just picked you up off waivers he's like I don't really agree with it you know you need to develop blah 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 you know yada 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 blah bullshit 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 whatever but anyway (laughs) uh I shouldn't say that but, uh, you know, I was kind of, I think he was pissed off because I was going to Edmonton. Of course, I was ecstatic. Like, I mean, I, this was like a dream come true, going back to my hometown, you know, per se, the team that I grew up watching and cheering for as a kid, I'm getting to go play for him. And, I mean, it was just the most exciting part of my career, probably more than anything, more than signing the contract. I mean, I'd sign contracts, but, I mean, getting the actual chance. And when I really kind of understood what that meant, it was like, I'm going to be in Edmonton for, you know, a considerable amount of time here, you know? And, and, and it was just like, it really hadn't registered, I guess. And then 
uh, you know, I get to Edmonton and my first practice, I mean, you know, I was skating a million miles as fast as I could give her, you know, which really wasn't <laughs> that fast, but I thought I was giving her, you know, really fast. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it was giving just her. Working my, oh, yeah, just plan B, just got to give her, bud. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm out there just working my bag off and, and, uh, you know, Mac T comes over and, and starts talking to me and, and, uh, you know, ended up, I think we ended up playing Calgary a couple nights after. And, and I mean, it just was like, you know, and this is the thing I'm, I'm sitting there in a dressing room and I was one of the last guys to, to get dressed, put my Jersey on and Ethan Morrow, we call him chopper. He was sitting in the corner and, and I mean, I put that image, I looked down, I put the Jersey over my head and I was in tears. Cause I mean, I looked down and, and even now as I kind of talk about it, I kind of, you know, kind of turn into a big sissy, but you know, it's, it's, it's like you look down and you, and you, and you just can't, you well up with pride because it's like, you know, all the sacrifices, all the, you know, early morning practices, all the, you know, doing withouts to, you know, your, your family's there and, and, you know, everybody's there rooting you on and it's like, you get to pull the Jersey over and it's, it's just like, it's like the best feeling that a guy could ever have. I mean, it's a dream come true. And I mean, as I'm sitting there, you know, I told this to Chopper and, and he's like, you know, he said, if only more of us would have that same, uh, outlook, he said, we'd appreciate it that much more. And we'd be that, you know, we'd work that much harder. And I just, I mean, I, you know, it was kind of after that, you know, a runaway train. Uh, I mean, it, I don't think, I, I don't remember anything up until, you know, uh, Jim Vandermeer went after, uh, Benoit or, uh, uh, couple guys and my my line mates and uh uh you know i had to had to kind of stick up for them and, and i mean other than that it was just like you know i had the worst number in the league but at least i was there you know i had 20 25 like what that's you know but i wasn't gonna complain i was just like hey whatever number whatever you give me i don't care what kind yeah. of sticks is i don't know whatever just as long as they're left-handed hell i'll use a right-handed <laughs> <laughs> Hell, he's the right-handed one. <laughs> it don't matter. And you get that, right? You go in that locker room with the Oilers and just to rhyme off a couple guys, Hemsky, Horkov, uh, Surrey, Gagne, the wet dog, if you will. Everyone knows who that is nowadays, Ryan Whitney. And you're playing in a hotbed of hockey, right? And, and it's it, that it seems so positive for that organization at the time because Sam Gagne was a big <laughs> when he got drafted out of London. and of course now compared to what it was then it's night and day because you have somebody named Connor McDavid on the roster nowadays but you know it, yeah he's decent eh? I guess he you know it's, it's good when you score 100 plus points a year all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no one he doesn't have for 100 penalty minutes though so he doesn't have that stat on you you have a better stat than he does when it comes to penalty minutes <laughs> you know but <laughs> You're in you're in Edmonton, and overall you're you're looking at playing for your favorite team, and you've also played over in Florida too. So you know, just to kind of say, playing in Florida and Pittsburgh, we'll jump to quickly. We have a couple of points we we'll get to before we let you go. But the one thing I want to jump into with Edmonton is the relation between yourself and Brooks that you have with Craig McTavish. You know, uh, Craig McTavish is obviously a legend in Edmonton. He's a one cups player there. He's been a part of that team. It felt like he was a part of that team from 
ever, like from when he started until at least 2015. It seems like Craig McTavish was a part of that team at all times. So I, just your kind of opinion on him as a coach that you've had him, and then uh, also yourself, Brooksy, having familiarity with having McTavish. Brooksy, where do you have uh, Mac T? Well, he was my coach at the Spangler with Team Canada. Oh, so I got yeah, to, yeah. yeah, so I got to uh, get to know him you know, wow. through that yeah, way. And, and I had him a short time and I had him at a great time because it's an yeah. amazing <laughs> tournament to be a part yeah. of and actually to be playing for team Canada. So it was like, yeah. uh, every, there was no reason for me not to like everything and anything that was going on at that time. He and, probably loved uh, you too. Yeah. I, I love, I, I thought he treated me great. I was, uh, I was just really happy for him, uh, yeah. you know, his career. And, and, and I think that's the thing with Edmonton. they, really take pride and if you're a part of Edmonton you're going to be a part of Edmonton for as long as they're around like I feel like they do one of the best jobs at keeping people involved or who's been a part of their team for a long time you know that's the great thing about the Oilers like they are the one team out of every team that I've played for over the course of my career uh you know with all due respect to the other teams uh, they've reached out I I felt like uh you know, uh, I've got some great friends uh, still with the organization. I've got some great friends back in Edmonton. And, I mean, uh, you know, uh, my my dad, my mom and dad, uh, you know, we kind of take this. And, I mean, we're, we're small-town people. And, uh, you know, I come from a, a pretty small town, and I'm very proud of Brock, Saskatchewan. And, you know, there's ranching and farming and oil and gas and, you know, this and that. And. You know, the way I grew up and the way my mom and dad were back in Rexall, we, dad knew, I mean, dad came with me everywhere. And my dad, uh, you know, he knew all the security guards. I mean, you know, I knew everybody and everybody knew my dad. And that was just the way it was. Everybody knew my mom too. And, and it was kind of neat. Well, you know, uh, the way they treated my family, uh, like the brass, like Kevin Lowe, there's a picture of the paper back home. Kevin Lowe and my mom and dad are sitting there having a coffee or, you know, a converse, sitting there in conversation. That's the way they treated everybody. Like, you know, you're a family. You, 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 you know, it was, uh, they treated everybody with respect. They treated everybody so well. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I still talk to, to quite a few people. I was back in December and man, what a great, uh, you know, what a great time to go back and, and, and visit with all the alumni and I mean I sitting there having a conversation when I was playing with Mark Messier Mark Messier comes up to me I'm I'm looking for something in the training room you know right before the game and Mark Messier is sitting there talking to me and I'm like oh my gosh this is Mark Messier you know and and Paul Coffey sitting on the computer drinking a coffee and and then uh uh, Glenn Anderson's in the back cracking jokes, looking at twigs. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, actually, that's what it was. It was Glenn Anderson retirement night. Uh, you know, one of the most, the coolest things I've ever been a part of in my life. Uh, she, I mean, I mean, it was, in, it was unreal. I met uh, Marty McSorley. I mean, you know, the list goes on Dave Samanko, like all these guys. And it's just like, you know, when they say the motto in there is once an oiler, always an oiler. A lot of people have adopted, or a lot of teams maybe have adopted that model. But until you're an oiler, you don't ever, you're always an oiler. Like, you're always, that's what you're, you know, they make you feel, that organization prides itself on making you feel part of that, you know, whether they're 
you know, however long you've been retired till, you know, till whatever. And it's such, it's a cool feeling. See, and then obviously playing in Edmonton is just a thrill itself. And one of our uh, co-hosts, Dane Hantro, is a big Oilers fan, so I know he He's definitely envious of anyone who has played over at Edmonton because, you know, being as much as hard as it's been for fans, a lot of things are looking upward for Edmonton, and that's very lightly right now. And yes, I give a lot of credit to someone named Connor McDavid, but there's other players on that team and just other people part of management. You were talking about how the organization is, you know, and they have the right pieces in place there. And they have always had the passionate fan base, and you just have as an organization in the class act, right? And you played for two other organizations. I know we had a couple other topics to get to before we let you go. That being, obviously, you played in Florida. Just quickly there, you played with uh, with Weiss, with Horton, uh, Brian McCabe, uh, Leaf legend Brian McCabe. If you will. And so you had some time over there in Florida. That was great. But the team that I'd like to jump into quickly is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because yeah. obviously, playing in Pittsburgh, okay, you have Sidney Crosby. I'm sure people have heard of him. Uh, hey, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, he's played on my line. Uh, it's Sue Boy Tyler Kennedy, actually. Uh, there's a guy TK. who gets a lot of plays. Yeah, TK, you know, he's definitely living the life, still doing his school and everything. You have Gino with Malkin. You have Stahl, Latang, Flurry, like the list goes on. You have Matt Cook, and Matt Cook was obviously known to prank people. So overall, oh, God, yeah. my two things with Pittsburgh is I want to jump to particulars. First off, is Crosby a freak, like people say he is? Like, is he built like a truck? I'm just going to flat out ask if he's built very nicely okay that's as weird as that sounds and number two (laughs) that did kind of sound a little uh different not gonna lie and max the chassis the saskatchewan and the and the yeah that's kind of freaking me out a little bit yeah yeah yeah. whatever he teaches his own i guess you know whatever i'm not judging no matt cook did he prank you those are the two uh, Uh, me and cook you went out and eat we went out nonstop. like he'd be always firing pucks at my feet you know or or doing something dumb. Uh, he was like that guy you love to hate. And I mean, and then once you played with him, it's just you still love to hate him. But uh, you know, he, he was such a goof, like good guy. He, he's he, Cookie and I, we really got along well together. Because I mean, it was kind of like Mutt Jeff, you know. We had the little shit disturber, and then you had me, and I'd be like, all right, Cookie, like go out there and stir some shit up. And I mean, when we went to play. Uh, uh, the Senators, when uh, I want to say it was the first game back. Uh, oh, what's his name? The defenseman, stud defenseman. Uh, Letang. Chris no, Latang. No, he played for the Senators. Um, Carlson? Yes. He was out with the. Uh, oh, crap. Uh, he, he had a. Achilles tendon? Eight, yes, he's Achilles tendon. tendon. That whole yeah. thing with the Achilles tendon and Cook and being dirty. And, I mean, you know, did he do it on purpose? No, he didn't do it on purpose. I mean, you know, it's just dumb. But we ended up playing. They brought me up for that game. And there's uh, – I'll never forget it. So, Cookie's in the corner. He's all, you know, because he's got me. Well, first of all, if you've ever been in the dressing room in, in uh, Ottawa, they're tiny. They're Well, they're not that tiny. They're just the way their configuration. They've got three stalls on one side of the doorway to the bathrooms and then three stalls on the other to the doorway to the bathroom. It's kind of like a big kind of U-type thing. Well, they've got me, Douglas Murray, and Brooks Orpik sitting in the three stalls. So, of course, right off the hop, I'm, you know, like, seriously? And Cookie's over there just, yeah, and I'm sure he probably moved our stuff, but he's just over in the corner just horse laughing because he's got, you know, a big stall, whatever. You know, I, I mean, it just, so us three big mutants are sitting, 
you know, side were just crammed in there, and, you know, and he's sitting there laughing. At us. I mean, it, it just it Cookie was the kind of guy that you didn't ever. Uh, he meant it all in fun, but it was almost like, all right, Cookie, if you do one more thing, I will personally, I will. <laughs> That's the way he was. He almost took it to the next level, but he was always, you know, we always had fun. I, I love playing. Like I said, I hated playing against him because I wanted to kill him. But then once you get to play with him, it's like he's just he's a hoot. He's a big kid. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's and not then, uh, cross. Uh, Sid, uh, Sid's a beauty. I mean, you guys a freak. He was a well. So the whole year he was out with his concussion deal. Uh, him and I, we would shoot pucks. Like I'd shoot, I'd he'd put all the goalie gear on and I'd fire pucks at him. And uh, I mean, it was he was a freak. He was an athlete. Like you've never seen anything. I've never seen. Uh, and then, you know, you know, he liked a couple of hot dogs once in a while, but who didn't from Montreal? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy was, he was, five, what is he, 5'10", maybe 215, yep. 210? I mean, he's a tank. He's, he's uh, and he works his butt off. And like I said, he, he's, uh, I think, uh, I mean, obviously he played on my line too. I'd like to make that very well, very clear. Yeah, uh, Sidney Crosby played on my line. Thank you very much. That would be the fifth line, which is my line. See, they have one, two, three, four lines, and then the fifth line is my line. So uh, it's me and Sid, uh, and uh, you know, it used to be the assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches, or whatever. That was my line. So yeah, Sid was on my line. So uh, you know, no big deal. No, that, he's definitely a freak of nature, as we've been told. And I still think uh, he is the best player to date still. I, I, I know too. There's no doubt. Like, I, I love him. No, and McDavid's probably the fastest player to ever skate with a puck, obviously. And the thing is, though, when it comes to Crosby's accolades and who he is, it's just I still got him at number one, and rightfully so. And I'm sorry, sorry, sorry Oiler fans. Wow, I cannot speak at all today. Uh, but yeah, overall, we'll spit little, the marbles out. We'll sort them out. I got to make sure I may have a sip of these Northern Superior beers. Maybe I'll be good to go. But maybe overall, too many. No, maybe yeah, maybe I should slow down or maybe transition <laughs> over to liquor. <laughs> you know, yeah, but that's a I'll tough see, transition. It is. You know, I'll be sleeping very shortly if I jump into that. But obviously in Pittsburgh, you know, different markets than where you've been. Then obviously after Pittsburgh, I know we get into a lot more things, but given time we won't. But you played uh, some more time in the American Hockey League. And then you obviously played over in Carolina, which Brooksy jumped in and said that you have an accent. Okay, I I guess I kind of can tell, but it's not as bad as he made it out to be, though. (laughs) Well, apparently, like I said, you guys, I'm talking to y'all. Yeah. Y'all Canadians, eh? Uh, Y'all. So, uh, you know, I think uh, I maybe camouflaged a little bit better because, like I said, you guys, you know, you don't really sound like you have an accent. But now when I'm hanging out with my redneck buddies here at the fire station, uh, they're real southern. They're from uh, Yadkin County and hell up in the mountains somewhere. I don't even know where they're from, where they're, (laughs) you know, playing banjo, doodling banjos. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but anyway, it's – down here, it, there's some people, like I said, southern, uh, southern, southern people are unreal. I love it down here, other than it, you know, being hot and humid. But, uh, but yeah, they, they, uh, they're kind of rubbing off on me a little bit. See, now the last question that I'll ask you before we let you go, and Brooks, I'll also give you final thoughts. Uh, but we like asking this to our guests, okay? And we do it kind of different per guest. So 
I, obviously, I was going to ask you the question, who's your favorite line mates or who you would choose, but I feel like you would choose Crosby on that no, one. No, wouldn't I, even. Don't you, even. It wouldn't even. No, I mean, Sid's a great guy, but, you know. <laughs> my favorite, I, I mean, if you want to know, Trevor Gillies is my favorite line mate. Probably one of my favorites. Okay. And we could get into it. We can, that's another podcast. That's another, we could do a whole podcast just on Trevor Gillies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually had him on the show and he was, uh, he oh was great. Him and I were been friends for a long time. Yeah. You're right. Beauty. I think we need to do when we do a part two of having you on, that's when Trevor comes on and we oh. have you at the same time. I'd be, that would actually be, there would be a lot of, yeah, that. <laughs> well, what, well, Have you got a two hours, like story. a special episode? Give us one. Story one what? Gillies. Just a story you have about oh. Trevor Gillies. Trevor Gillies. Okay, well, I've got like a few. But the very <laughs> first time I met Trevor Gillies, you, you know his big boat, right? The 67 Bel Air, four-door Bel Air, whatever it is. Oh, I know all about I knew it before uh. it was the, before the big Chev. Yep. I, I remember when it was green before it was black. So he must have just got it painted then. So this big son of a gun. So I'm rolling in there. I'm, you know, I'm, I just signed with the Rangers or no, that's is my second year. He was in Springfield the first time I met him because he was wanting to kill me. But anyway, long story short, we are driving to the practice facility to have an exhibition game against, I forget, it was Bridgeport or whoever. And I have never met a more intense individual in my entire life. Like, (laughs) off the charts. And he always says, oh, you know, Mac or Ally. You know, he's just, he's, well, so we're driving. We're a little bit late. And uh, traffic's kind of rough. And this guy ends up cutting us off. Wrong move. I (laughs) thought Trev was going to yank him through. The, the the car door like I I mean it was the most I was like I was sitting there looking across and I'm like I'm gonna get I'm gonna die I'm gonna somebody's gonna shoot me I, I mean is this guy for real right now how many Red Bulls has he had how many Red Bulls has he had? <laughs> <laughs> to find out that's just how he was I mean you know that that was what a fun year he had me him Marty Grenier uh and I was actually playing in charlotte but i got called up for three months and because he had a broken foot so i came up and kind of helped fill in and then we ended up being linemates and oh my gosh he's like you ready macker i'm like oh yeah buddy (laughs) (laughs) we went and i like i said we went into springfield and we had the spring we had marty grenier myself i actually pardon me hold on so marty grenier and craig weller were playing defense i was playing left or right wing garth murray was playing center and Trevor Gillies was playing one of the wing. I can't remember what it was. We had a, we had a line brawl. <laughs> I mean, it was it was on like Donkey Kong. I mean, it was just like, and I mean, obviously being being on the winning. I mean, we, I was loving it because I mean, I had Andre Devoe and I forget. I mean, it was just it was a free for all. Them poor buggers. Like, they didn't <laughs> even know what was coming. <laughs> Oh no! Well, even oh. Craig Weller is a big, big man himself. Like, oh. I know Wellesley very well, and uh, obviously uh, he's a beauty too. Ah, and the Muzz. I mean, Garth Murray is just a maniac too. Curly-haired little puckerhead. He'll fight. <laughs> he's a Western boy. Oh, uh, yeah. that's it. You look, you look, and you see yourself, and he, Trevor Gillies on the ice. Nah. I'd be like, like say, oh my god, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't want to be on the ice for this. Uh, attitude. I mean, they had a tough team too that year. Like they had a they had a pretty tough team. So I mean, it, you know, it was kind of 
we were even. I mean, I'd like to say we kind of edged them out a little bit. But, uh, they had a pretty tough team, too. But, I mean, the worst part about it is we'd play them every, almost every other night, it seemed like. But, so fights every night. Uh, yeah, we hated We got to hating each other in the, by the end of the season. I love that. You know what? That 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 will be the the question then for your linemate. Obviously, Gillies and Grenier would be your favorite linemates. Uh, that that fair to leave that, it at that. That whole, like I said, it, we could do anything we wanted to. I mean, <laughs> it was fun. Literally scare everybody off. I'm surprised the refs just didn't call game and for a mercy rule. <laughs> I mean, Marty Grenier, he was he made. I mean, he had he was the biggest human. Like he had size 13 or 14 skates. Oh. I mean, like. He had hands. I, I mean, they were like mitts. Like I've got big hands, but he dwarfed my hands. And then, you know, he had a big old pumpkin on him, and he was just so. And then he'd get angry. He was an angry Frenchman, and he was scary when he'd get angry because he was so strong. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, Nicest guy though. Nice guy. And that's what Brooks is saying about you. You know, mean on the ice at a, at a point, but the nicest guy off the ice. Ah, oh, well, I you know. He said it. He said. It's a persona. It's like anything, you know. You you get so, you, you know, you. Uh, I mean, I I like to think I was a nice guy on the ice for the most part. You know, I I play hard, but then the wires would touch every once in a while, and and uh, you know, obviously, I'm not as intense as as Trev and all them guys, but I mean, I I. It was it was hard for me, in all honesty, it was hard for me to kind of get to that because I never really was a, a really aggressive or wanting to, you know, it was hard for me to accept that role. It took me a long time to accept that role, but once I did, I kind of ran with it. And, uh, you know, I guess once I kind of had my kids, that's kind of when I was like, okay, these guys are trying to take food off my kids' table. I'm not going to let that happen. And then it kind of clicked. So, yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, off the ice, I'm big teddy bear. <laughs> you know what? That's the perfect final topic, don't you think, Brooksy? <laughs> oh, the teddy bear. The te- oh, that was great. Uh, well, no, I just want to thank you so much, eh, Steve. Appreciate you taking this time, uh, especially uh, while you're working so hard over there at the fire hall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're running calls. I mean, I'll be honest with you, like I said. My hats off to you know all the all the people emergency service right now because this is not a good time to be in it, uh, you know dealing with the COVID thing and and then with the riot and, and and you know the the protesters I don't have a problem with the protesters doing it the right way but the other people that are you know taking advantage of you know situations that that's where I have a problem with and like I said I, I, my hats off to the law enforcement they've got a tough job but uh, all across the board so yeah they do I you know Hats off to you for you too, obviously being involved in that, and just it's definitely been a change here in 2020. This year has definitely just been that's, that's uh, putting it lightly. Now, obviously, yeah. as she said, Steve, I couldn't have, couldn't be more thankful for you coming on. I know the next time we have you on, we're going to motion. We're going to make sure that it's yourself combined with myself and Brooksy, and there'll be a part two combined. I think that'd be epic to plan down. Oh yeah. Absolutely, guys. My pleasure. I, I enjoyed talking with y'all. Definitely. Now, uh, I want to say thank you to Brendan Brooks, who's been my great co-host, as always, here uh, with the Game Sports Show Special Edition, brought to you by the Game Entertainment and Media and the GameSportsShow.com. It's been yours truly. 
David McKegg. Getting to our conclusion portion, I want to remind all the listeners and also viewers, I also want to remind Steve McIntyre and Brendan Brooks to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bat, catch your touchdown, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. You have been listening to the Game Sports Show, powered by Gem and thegamesportshow.com. Special edition uploads brought to you by Compass Imaging and Demansky Office Interiors. Shout out to our additional sponsors and broadcasting partners. ESPN 1400, On TV, Northern Superior Brewing Company, Sports Center Bar and Grill, North Shore Sports and Auto, Northern Critters in Need, and Thrush Creative Co. 